0: In the season of Easter, I want to welcome you to worship at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. I'm Sandra O'wine, and I serve as pastor here. And along with our staff and the entire congregation, we hope that this hour will inspire you for joyful and transformative living in the world. Now we give thanks for the increasing availability of COVID-19 vaccinations and look forward to being able to gather for in-person worship soon. In a commitment to the safety of all of our members and the larger community though, we continue to exercise patience, trusting that the spirit will continue to bind us together even as we remain physically distanced from one another in worship. So in the hope, power and promise of resurrection, let us turn our hearts to prayer, praise and proclamation.
1: the season concludes we remember as easter people we are invited to live the good news of god's love for all the world every day not just for a season therefore enjoy please join us in the call to worship
2: from office chairs from tricycle seats from easy chairs in front of TVs
1: god gathers us to give us the words to proclaim the gospel at kitchen sinks at
2: laptops at blackboards, at nursing stations.
1: Christ calls us to share in serving all creation. In communities gathered to pray,
2: with families grilling in backyards, in memories of those we have lost. The
1: Holy Spirit fills us with God's joy. In In praise praise and and
2: thanksgiving, we we worship worship
1: this day. day.
2: We center our hearts on the God of creation as we begin worship through offering a common prayer. Please join us in the prayer of the day. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with your saints in heaven and on earth.
1: Help us to see your presence burning in the hearts of others. Grant that we may be united in fellowship of love and prayer.
2: Give us the courage to pick up our cross and respond to the needs of the world. Give us the stamina to follow you.
1: To be your hands and your heart in the world. Enable us to witness to your grace and mercy. We We pray pray all all this through through your Son, Son, Jesus Jesus the the Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen.
3: Good morning young Christians and happy Easter. Today is the seventh and final Sunday of the season of Easter. Next Sunday is the day of Pentecost and then we'll begin a new season in the church. But we just have one week of our Easter celebration left. So I thought we could do something kind of fun today and have a final Easter egg hunt. So during this children's sermon, keep an eye out For any eggs you might see. Count them up, and at the end of the children's sermon, we'll see if you found them all. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Today, we're remembering and celebrating something very special, that Jesus prayed for us. Isn't that amazing? Jesus prayed for us. Think of some of the people you know who pray for you. Maybe a parent or a grandparent, your Sunday school teachers, your pastors. It's a very special thing to be prayed for, to know that people talk to God and ask for God to be with you and help you through your days. Are there people who you pray for too? Maybe when you say a blessing at a meal or at night before you go to bed. Are there people who you pray for? Maybe if you know that someone is sick or having a hard time, you might say a special prayer for them. It's nice to know when people are praying for us. It helps us to feel loved and cared for by others. And it's really special to know that Jesus prayed for us too. Jesus had been talking to his disciples, and then he started talking to God, praying for his disciples and all the disciples who would come after them, all the people who would come to believe and follow in Jesus' way. So that includes you and me. What do you think Jesus' prayer was about? Jesus prayed that his disciples and all who followed after them would be protected in Jesus' name so that they could be one, just as God and Jesus are one. Jesus wanted God to protect his disciples against anything that would separate them, divide them, make them argue or hurt one another. Instead, Jesus wanted them to be one, to be united, so that they could do the things that Jesus had called them and sent them into the world to do. Jesus said to God that in the same way that God sent Jesus into the world to do all the good things that Jesus did and to share God's love, that Jesus was sending his disciples. And so they needed God's help and God's protection to do all the things that Jesus had sent them to do. And of course, we are part of that as well. We are Jesus' disciples sent into the world in the same way that God sent Jesus into the world. We are called to do the work that Jesus did, but we don't have to do it alone. Jesus prayed that we would be one that we would do this work together, that God would protect us and help us along the way. Hey, by the way, have you been counting Easter eggs? How many have you seen? Did you find them all? If you found seven, you saw all the eggs. There was one for every week of the Easter season. Happy Easter, everyone. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your protection and help. We pray with Jesus that we would be one, that we would work together to walk in Jesus' way and share your love in the world. Amen.
4: on this final day of eastertide we listen to john's gospel chapter 17 verses 6 through 19 in which jesus prays to god for the sake of the disciples just before his arrest crucifixion death and resurrection i have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But Now I am coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world but i ask you to protect them from the evil one they do not belong to the world just as i do not belong to the world sanctify them in the truth your word is truth as you have sent me into the world so i have sent them into the world and for their sakes i sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god
0: Since I considered the last few Sundays of being with you as your pastor, I thought I would take the opportunity to share some things from my heart that I hope you will take with you as your lives of faith and witness continue to unfold in the years to come. In this particular year, the lectionary cycle, the gospel lesson for the last Sunday of Easter that Kevin Lucia read captures one of my favorite moments actually in scripture. It's one that really moves me to tears just about every time I hear it. For on the cusp of Jesus' arrest, trial, crucifixion, and death, Jesus' last act is to pray deeply for those who have journeyed with him the last few years. It's a prayer steeped in compassion and focused on commissioning, of claiming identity and living with integrity. In the context of our shared life together, as I sat with the text over these last weeks, I couldn't help but think of the prayer quilt ministry that has been part of this congregation's life for almost two decades. Quilters and their helpers have lovingly created quilts on Saturdays and Wednesdays, offering prayers as they created them that whoever received them would know the love of God through the tangible expression of the quilt. And then, Sunday after Sunday, as these beautiful covers were dedicated to different persons, we have tied our prayers into the quilts for a specific need or situation. And for those who have faced numerous challenges, we have often tied so many prayers uh, into the quilt that over time, nary a thread was left with any room for new prayers to be added. The quilts have been spread over hospital beds and couches, wrapped around shoulders and thrown over legs. They have caught tears of joy and sorrow. They have been passed on to other family and friends and been buried with those beloved. In many cases, the congregation has received notes of appreciation or pictures of recipients who are on the road to recovery and renewed health or words of gratitude for comfort, even as life as we know it slipped away. Remembering the cards received over the last seven years and the moments at the communion table blessing a quilt, I suddenly thought how Jesus's prayer felt like a prayer quilt being prepared for each of us, rooted in the deepest yearning of his heart that those he had loved would find protection and comfort in God's presence as he had found both, and that those he loved would find strength to live in the world as he had, knowing who they were and who God had created them to be. Like the selfless gift of love offered in each quilt, so too was Jesus' prayer for the disciples. No matter the trial he knew he was about to walk through, his singular focus in this final act of care for them was to ask that God be with them in the same way that God had and would be with Jesus. It was prayer rooted in assurance that God would be with them, trusting fully in the God who had claimed and commissioned him. So what from this story do I hope you will hold on to as you go forward on your journey of faith with a new pastor into a new future? Well, first, that God in Christ is revealed as one who has compassion on us and offers us love and care and companionship amid a world fraught with challenge, heartache, brokenness, and injustice. In John's gospel, the world is presented as an unfriendly place, Now, over time, this has been interpreted as the world itself as being bad, that things physical are bad, that has given way to seeing bodies and human desires as bad, even at some point being seen as evil itself. But John was more concerned about the hard time that his community was having in being followers of Jesus than he was in proclaiming that somehow the created order itself was eternally marred. No, seeking to follow Jesus in his ways, broadening the understanding of community, seeking to to love others was costing people their religious community, their families. He was beginning to bring persecution in the public arena as well. The cost of saying yes to this God of life as revealed in Jesus the Christ was beginning to feel difficult and confusing. And people were beginning to sort of languish in the uncertainties and with questions and doubts. John knew that living by a different set of values focused first and foremost on loving God and loving neighbor as they had been themselves loved was threatening to undo them. John wasn't rejecting the physicality of the world or the mortal dimensions of our lives but rather was offering a recognition that to be a disciple of Christ meant walking by a different set of values, holding a different worldview that meant that one was going to face discomfort, if not outright rejection, in the world. So how are disciples able to flourish in an environment that feels hostile to love? Well, remember, first, Jesus doesn't ask that they be taken out of the world or that God keep every difficult thing from ever happening to them. He doesn't ask that they not face hostility or rejection or injustice or hardship. No, Jesus rather prays that they would be protected in the name that God as parent had given him. What is that name? Well, if we go back to the beginning of John, we find the words like son, the word, anointed. All of them are names of Jesus that point to an intimate relationship of belonging to God. And although not as stated as clearly as in the other Gospels, it is a relationship rooted in love, a belovedness. And the prayer that Jesus offers is not a prayer for protection from the difficulties, but a protection that comes from knowing who we are, child, created, adopted, claimed, commissioned. When we know that this God who is parent of Jesus is our parent as well, that nothing can separate us from that identity, then we will have all we need to face whatever trials and tribulations are before us. I suspect like I, you can hear those other favorite words in scripture from Paul when he writes, What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, Oh, I want you, as you go forward, to root yourselves deeply in that truth and belief, trusting that who we are as God's children is greater than the threats, the trials, the hardships, greater than the doubts of what it means to walk in faith in the world today. There is a lot ahead of us as a church, as a nation, as a world that's going to cause us to have to make some difficult decisions about how we are and what our values will be as we live in the world. Our protection, our salvation, will come as we stay wrapped in the quilt of our identity as chosen, as child, as created and adopted as God's very own. Then I want you to remember, as David Lowe's pointed out in his commentary on this passage, that there is also a whole lot of giving going on in this text. God has given Jesus his disciples, his teaching, the word, and even God's name. And Jesus, in turn, has given those things to the disciples. In fact, one of the dominant characteristics of God in John's gospel is one who delights in giving. You know, too often God in the world is presented as a harsh judge or an angry parent, watching and judging and condemning our every move. lost writes that God seems more like a mean Santa Claus, knowing when we are sleeping, keeping a list and checking it twice to know if we've been naughty or nice. But, you know, that isn't the God presented in John at all. Rather, what we find is a God who has arms reaching out to embrace all of us and an open hand, giving all good things to those that God loves. God, according to Jesus, gives and gives and gives some more. I mean, why else come to God in prayer, sharing our hopes and concerns, our fears and our dreams, other than the fact that God listens, God cares, God gives. Isn't that the God we have come to know in our years together? When I first came to this congregation, there was an overriding mindset of scarcity. Concern and fear were palpable about whether First Jane Methodist Church Pasadena was dying. The building was locked up tight and resources were held on to for fear that they would run out and nothing would be left. But it didn't take long for me to look around and to meet all of you to learn about who you are and discover the abundance of gifts that each of you personally had been given by God to know that you were not dead yet. In fact, far from it. But you needed to trust that God's abundance was real. That in giving as God has given to us, we would find fruitfulness and new life and new abundance. Many of you took that message to heart. You know, before COVID, our facility was no longer locked up tight as a drum. Rather, our facility was open and activated by us and with the community partners seven days a week, often for 10 to 12 hours each day. We expanded outreach into our community and we embraced and enhanced new programs here. And when we began to share with open hands, became conduits for the gifts that had been given to us, we discovered again and again the deep truth that God continues to give as we give. When we began to move from fear that we were dying to believing that God was generous and would bless us abundantly as we share blessings, we found that to be true. Now, it hasn't always been easy, and sometimes we've made decisions that required risk, and not everything has panned out as we'd hoped or wanted. But when we have made those decisions, rooted in seeking to be faithful, we have grown in new ways, becoming a more joyful and spirit-filled community. So yes, the world can be and is often a hard and difficult place. But God is not done yet doing wonders in us, through us, with us, continuing to bless us when we seek to keep living into our name as chosen children, beloved. Remember that earlier verse in John's Gospel? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that whoever believes in Him may not perish but may have eternal life. This world that is so often at enmity with God, hostile even towards God's world, is the one that God gives the great gift to. Why? Because nothing in or of the world can ultimately withstand the grace and mercy of God's gift of love. And so it comes to us to share that gift. Jesus' disciples and John's community needed to keep on keeping on and bear witness to the one who dwelt among them in grace and truth and wrapped in that love, we too are encouraged, strengthened, called, commissioned, equipped, and sent out into that same world, not simply to survive, but to flourish by sharing. That is giving God's love with others in word and deed as we have received it ourselves. And the third thing I hope you'll remember is that God's protection for which Jesus prays doesn't remove us from the world but indeed sends us out into it. I may have not preached a more consistent message than that. God's love is the best gift and the one we have to keep passing on. We cannot hide from the world, and neither are we called to sit afar in judgment upon it, casting stones of self-righteousness on it. No, we're sent to the world the way God sent Jesus to the world, to be light, to be bread, to be the gate, to be shepherd to be wrapped up in God's prayer quilt is to go out, embraced by love, surrounded by Jesus's prayer for us, and to live as Jesus lived, as God's beloved children in the world. Now Jesus asked God to sanctify us, to redeem us. Now that doesn't mean saved from something, but rather saved for something. We have been saved for a purpose. And I want you always, always to remember that the church is the church most when it leaves the building. In fact, I hope and invite you to stop saying, we're going to the church. Say instead, we're going to the sanctuary, we're going to the fellowship hall, we're going to great hall, we're going to the lounge. But maybe try to begin saying rather, we're going to be church. This last year has taught us we can do that. We can be church. We're going to be the body of Christ, living as the hands and feet and heart of Christ in the world. Remember that church is not now nor ever was first and foremost a physical building. You know, maybe the greatest betrayal of the word church was to turn it to a primarily into a description of a facility. For what we do when we gather at our building is only as important as it helps shape, strengthen, and sustain us for the calling of being church in the world. Beyond our doors, on the streets, out in the that world. That hostile, unjust, broken, hurting world that God loves and to whom God sends those who are beloved to help shepherd. You know, Janet Hunt, in reflection on this passage, shared a story from a friend who's a nurse supervisor and how she would often coach the young nurses in her charge in the local emergency room. The work in that part of the hospital is often urgent, frequently stressful, and yes, always important so much so that in the process and the press of the moment it was far too easy to forget the shared humanity of the ones who were in their temporary care. So she would remind them to look at those entrusted to them and to see their own grandmother, their own grandfather, their own loved ones before them on the bed. She urged them to train their eyes to literally see their patients differently, to see an image of love itself, God's image indeed, And it made a difference to the nurses she was training. So how do we catch a glimpse of God's image in those around us, even those that we might abhor? How do we begin to see those people differently? Well, Hunt goes on to suggest that we begin to claim the I am statements for which John's Jesus is famous as possible images that don't only apply to who Jesus is, but to whom we are each called to be as disciples who are made no less than Jesus in the image of God. Hunt writes, What would it be to see God's image in me as the bread of life, as one whose call it is to nurture, indeed to feed the hungry? What would it be to see the world with the eyes of Jesus, who received the simple gift of a boy's lunch and recognizing it for all it was set about feeding the crowds before us? Wouldn't we be part of sharing a world where hunger was no longer? Or what might it be to see yourself as one reflecting Jesus' light of the world? Light which gives life and safety, hope and direction and understanding. How might the world's blindness to all that God intends for us be alleviated if we just lived as that light? Indeed, what would it be to see ourselves as the door or the gate? What would it be for us to be points of welcome interest to those in need of shelter or community or more? Oh, what would it be to see ourselves not only as those who are tended by the Good Shepherd, but as those who are called to live into the same? What would it be if we saw our call to put, also put our heart's energy into being protectors of the vulnerable in the world? All of this and more is what Jesus calls us to now when he reminds us that we are to live in the world but not be governed by it. To live by the parameters of God's vast dream and not our own. My dear dear friends we have been gifted each and every one of us with a prayer quilt of our own. Protected by God's claim on our lives, We are commissioned to love and to be church in the world. When we go out to love what God loved by giving and sharing and giving some more, we become bread and light and gate and shepherd. And the world begins to shift as it recognizes its own calling and identity. And we begin to live into the holiness the sanctity that comes from our being one with the Creator of all that is just as Jesus and the Creator were one. My prayer is you will remember who you are. Remember that God is extravagantly generous and will give all that is needed and that we are commissioned not to hang out together but to hang out together so we can better live into our commission to be out in the world as agents of transformational love. May we receive our quilts with gratitude and write notes of thanksgiving to God with our very lives. Amen.
5: Let us pray. God of our life and God of hope, we join together in prayer, believing as Jesus did that you hear our prayers. As you heard him, hear us now as we pray for the world that you have made, for the Church that seeks to serve you, and for all of your people. Guide the work of your Holy Church in every place. Where it suffers, provide for it. Where it has lost its way, direct it. Where it is tempted to conform to the greed and expediency of this world, lift its eyes to higher things continue to sustain all of our church's leaders, especially our Bishop Grant and Superintendent Jim. Along with all of our district churches, we lift prayers today for your people at Tahunga United Methodist Church and at Paso Robles United Methodist Church. Creating God, you made the whole world and you have placed us in it. But while we are living in this world, you call us to not be conformed to it. Help us who have been richly blessed, to resist the world's call to grab for more and to tightly cling to what we have received by your grace. Fill us with your generosity of spirit and open our hearts and hands to all who are in need. Walk along the paths of migrant people around the globe, O God, and at our own borders as they seek security for themselves and for their children. Protect lives that are put in peril this day by violence and unrest, especially in Israel-Palestine. Sustain all of those whose lives are in turmoil because of the coronavirus, the sick and those who mourn, the people of the nation of India, the exhausted caretakers around the world, and the many who are suffering in the economic result. Use us to heal and reform the human systems that seem to always favor the powerful at the expense of the poor. While we are living in this world, give us the strength to not be conformed to it. It is especially in this blessed community that we seek to be a blessing to others, and so hear now our prayers for those among us who are in particular need this week. We pray for Fran Banta as she prepares to leave her home of many years. Let your healing presence, O oh God, be felt by Dennis Brown, Laurie Metters, and Tommy Parham as they face health challenges this week. Comfort all who mourn, especially the family of John Duda, Paul Floyd and his family at the death of Paul's mother, Beverly, and Margaret Samuel and her family at the unexpected death of her brother, Christopher. We believe that you are with us in life and in death, O God. And so let the hope of this Easter season remind us that love is stronger than death. Shine your perpetual light upon these loved ones and give them rest and peace. In all of life, we look to Christ as our example. And so, as we pray for one another as your faithful people, we recall the words of our Savior Amen. Thank you for joining in this time of online worship from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. Remember that you can watch all or any part of this service again at our YouTube page. There you will also find all of our past services and concerts to watch or to share with friends. Like and subscribe, and it helps others to find us. If you are not able to be with us for yesterday's 3rd at 1st concert, it features the very talented winners of this year's Junior Chamber Music Competition, and it's available now on our church's YouTube channel. The young people are amazing performers. I promise you will be inspired. We have five high school graduates this year, and a special event to celebrate them is happening today in the open air of the church's parking lot. Please note that the time for this celebration has been changed. It now begins at 4.30 p.m. So come by this afternoon to wish them well, tie your prayers into the quilts that the quilters have created for each of them, and help mark this milestone in their lives. Remember, it's at 4.30. I hope you've taken a moment to download today's bulletin. In it are announcements about the upcoming work camps at Camp Sky Meadows this month, and summer plans for Vacation Bible School in July. The bulletin has full details about all of this and more, so please use the link found in the video description or in yesterday's email. Thank you for continuing to faithfully support the Church with your tithes and your offerings. More people than ever are now using the online giving option. A link to that website is in the video description, or you can access it from the Church's website anytime. While you are there, please make a contribution to the cash love gift that's being collected for Pastor Sandy. Her last Sunday with us is June 6, so please plan to attend a parking lot goodbye party for her that day that begins at 1130, just following this service of online worship. Be well this week. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, it's time. Let's end this thing so you never ever have to hear me say, Remember to wear your mask.
6: Weaver We're
0: This morning, we give thanks for our quilters yet again and the wonderful ministry that they do in providing prayer quilts for those in need of prayer and comfort, uh, strength and hope. This morning, we tie our prayers into quilts for Selma Devanathan as she prepares for surgery and Diane Turriff, who is grieving the loss of her husband and is a dear friend of Sue Clariday. We pray that these quilts will be a tangible reminder of God's presence in their life. So I invite you to raise your hands toward the screen and blessing as we pray over these quilts. Oh God, as we draw near to the end of worship this day, we gather one more time in prayer as we lift our blessings on these quilts. We pray that Selma and Diane will both feel the presence of your love, your grace, your strength, and your comfort with them in these days of trial. For Selma, as she goes into surgery and looks towards recovery, and for Diane, whose heart is broken as she grieves the death of her husband, wrap them both in your presence as these quilts will wrap them in our love. May these quilts be the tangible reminders to both of them of your constant and ever-present love and grace. And may our love extended through these quilts be a blessing and a gift of strength and hope for them both. We ask this in all things in Christ's name. Amen. Receive now the benediction. Be at peace, for Christ has called you and I to live in peace among our brothers and sisters in every place and among every tribe. Be full of courage, for Christ has called us from the places of our lives to be agents of redemption and partners in healing. Be thankful, for Christ is our eternal hallelujah, and we can claim lives of joy as God's Easter people. Be as one body, loving and serving God, as together we love and serve the world. In Christ's name. Amen.